0: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Dirt in association with Beer 52. Keep listening to find out how you can get your hands on eight craft beers for free. Just pay postage. I'm Grow Your Own Magazine's Deputy Editor, Blake, and later on I'll be joined by my colleagues Rose and Dan to get the latest news from the gardening world. But first, after he won three gold medals at this week's Great British Growing Awards, we wanted to take a look back at our most popular ever episode with man of the moment Charles Dowding. Thousands of you have listened to his No Dig advice already, but for those of you that haven't, here's a look back at what he had to say. When we spoke to him back in 2019, we started him off gently by asking what his greatest personal gardening success was.
1: Well, uh, overall, it's No Dig and, and this way of it's much easier way of, of managing soil, which I've been doing actually for 38 years now, and I'm still learning more about it myself, and I'm very happy to share that knowledge and pass it on, and I'm delighted with the feedback I'm receiving from people. It's so encouraging, and they're, they're loving it too, and it's saving everyone a lot of time and effort. You know, it's kind of, some people call it the lazy way, but actually sometimes it's really good to be lazy, you know, as long as it's constructively lazy. And, and working with nature, basically, which means you, you, you're you not fighting nature so much as just treating soil in the way that nature does, feeding it on the surface.
0: So for the listener at home who might not know if they're new to gardening, what, what does no-dig mean?
1: Oh uh, Well, basically, it, 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 it very simply means leaving soil alone, not putting a fork or spade in at any point unless you... Sometimes you need to. Like, you know, you want to plant an apple tree, yeah, fair enough, dig a hole. <laughs> That's a <allowed. laughs> um, So So sometimes... You you are using tools, but mostly for for growing most plants, um, feeding the surface with with a layer of mulch, it's called, is a a layer on top of compost I'd recommend, particularly for vegetables. And then you're sowing and planting into that compost, and the roots go down into the undisturbed, left-alone soil below, which nonetheless has a good structure, and they root into that very successfully, and you get wonderful plants, very healthy growth. And the biggest benefit of all, less weeds. Yeah. Wow. So (laughs) it's
2: actually easier.
1: A lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting fantastic feedback on that one. Um, You know, because so so much for us are under time pressure. I mean, that's really what got me into No Dig, because well, partly wanting to save time, but also, just suspecting it was maybe the better way and those two things combined. But the the big one is time-saving because of the, the, the fewer weeds. So you're just not battling them, you know, and you've got time to be constructive and be, enjoy it more.
0: What's the kind of main thing that you come up against, the main barrier for other people? Because I know growing up, and gardening with my grandparents, they were very much, you know, we must dig over the plot every yep. single winter. That type of yeah. old school thinking. So, is that kind of the main obstacle that people
1: face? Yes, you've answered it exactly. Uh, I mean, it's a very good question, and you've provided the answer, which is traditional thinking, if you like. Which you know, I'm not against tradition by any means, but we, I think, all of us in all our lives, we will get better results if we question things more. Mm-hmm. And a lot of tradition is rooted in. And it's time, you know. And time moves on. The reasons change for doing things, and and knowledge moves on. So now, and you know, climate change is another one. Carbon and yeah. no dig, no till keeps carbon in the soil. So so it wins on that score as well. But what yeah. Where the difficulty I have in teaching it mainly is is with older people who have kind of know it all already, if you like. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not wrong, but you can understand how that makes it harder to change. I think.
0: And how do you persuade them? Is it that time-saving angle?
1: It, yeah, time, but more than anything, results. And and it, if I can ever get people here or show photographs, you know, that, that pretty much does it, actually. I give talks and got a nice slideshow people can see and I take them through the phases and, and the sequential stories of growth and, and the absence of weeds. And um, Yeah, most people have won over, actually. It, it's becoming a bit of a revolution now. I mean, like, even at Kew Gardens, you know, all those student beds... This is the head gardens of the future. They're 26 beds. They're all no-dig. RHS, Wizzley, and so on. And and one of my biggest enjoyments was um, I was flown up to Aberdeen to meet Jim, Jim McColl, oh, wow. mm-hmm. Beach Grove Gardens, because they, they started a dig-no-dig no dig trial three, four years ago now. And sceptically. You know, this is what makes it more convincing, really. They were not convinced at all by no mm-hmm. dig, you know, how can this possibly work? Here? Thought, <laughs> just, we know um, we know how to grow and um anyway they dared to try it or and and did it and then they, well what's going on here? The, the cauliflower's bigger, there's more potatoes, this can't be right <laughs> so <laughs> they started to question it and and then he did another year of trials and oh same result. No dig's <laughs> just generally doing better. And third year, same again. So they then converted all the gun to no dig and Jim, and, you know, this is in his eighties and i was so impressed by that cuz he even at that grand old age you know he, he he's a thinking man and and he was he, he's prepared to change and adapt so it was good yeah.
2: I have to say, actually, um, my, my dad's been growing veg for years and years, and he's always been one of those people who sort of steadfastly right. likes digging over his plot. Oh, yes. This year, he um, had a hip replacement, so oh. he wasn't able to dig so much, and he decided this year to try or no dig, and he's actually said to me, he's not going back. He's oh. <laughs> sticking with it.
1: Well, that's nice. I mean, and that really heartens me, actually, to hear, because he's an experienced gardener, obviously, and he he knows what he's looking at, and um, he's he's familiar with the process, and Hopefully that will also make him start to question things generally a bit, you know, like, hmm, how did this come about? <laughs> you know, yeah. and I've been trained to dig every year and maybe yeah. I don't need to.
2: Um, so moving on to the other side of the coin, can uh-huh. you tell us about any of your gardening failures that are particularly noteworthy or that gave you a bit of a giggle at the time? Or,
1: Oh, I don't know about a giggle. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah actually, now afterwards, <laughs> not so many recently. Thank goodness, you know, because with age does come a bit of wisdom. <laughs> but back when I was back in my twenties, I did some crazy things. I, I remember one year I, I wanted to grow more carrots. I was organic approved in those days I had a symbol, and I, there was a big shortage of organic carrots. And I thought, well, this shouldn't be too difficult. And I hired a guy to rotate half an acre of ground, and then he had a drill and he drilled carrot seeds in half an acre, and they came up, and then so did the chickweed. Oh, and no. Three of us spent a whole day hoeing the chickweed, and then it drizzled a bit. This was spring, and the chickweed basically carried on growing. <laughs> and the following week, and oh, we have another go. So we hoed again, and- we kept on growing. We sowed a third time. Oh. We never got on top of that chickweed, oh, and no. I never harvested one single carrot from that half acre.
2: But you had half an acre and of chickweed,
1: unfortunately. Basically, yeah. But do you know what? I did manage to sell a bit. Oh, well. <laughs> every yeah, cloud. Yeah, you know, well, it edible. But the wholesaler who I sold it to he wasn't that impressed, and he said my customers were not convinced. <laughs> Anyway, we tried a few things, but it, what that taught me was that there is a saying actually, something like chickweed follows the rotavator, yeah, and and that you know relates to no dig, you know, and, that, and not having weeds when you don't disturb the soil. But rotivating is is a massive disruption, and and the weed for me the chickweed is a healing mechanism, but those roots are very fine and fibrous, and they they bind it together, having you know where the machine had broken it apart. So that's for me that's what's going on. So that mistakes always teach you something, and and looking back on it they're great but at the time it's not
0: much fun so don't worry listener at home if you're making mistakes it's okay because even charles Dow <laughs>
1: used to make mistakes <laughs> yeah. yeah learn from mine <laughs> yeah.
2: it sort of brings us on to our next thing which is do you have any guilty gardening secrets sort of little shortcuts Ooh. that you take that you wouldn't necessarily read about in a textbook but something that you find really works
1: for you <laughs> um well, do you know what? actually no i wouldn't put it like that but i can see where you're coming from but
0: i guess in one way no dig is one big one
2: big one
1: hack, big rebellion really, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah you could put it that way exactly in a way it's a question of how you phrase it and you know that's an interesting way you put it laura like, you know dirty little secret and, <laughs> and uh, i i would call that you know actually a wonderful discovery yeah <laughs> in terms of um you know like not hardening off for example you know because mm. I actually count myself fortunate I didn't have a, what I would call an official horticultural training. I kind of learnt it more on, on doing it. And so I'd, I'm always looking for shortcuts, and I dared not to do things that probably people who've been to, say, to college wouldn't dare mm. to to not do. So hardening off is one. And I, and I just bring things straight out of my uh, greenhouse, not, not heated, but they still had a bit of heat to get them going, and then put them straight into cold soil, but I put fleece over. So if you like, that's my hardening off. But it, it's it's a big time saver. I'm not, just not bothering with all that bringing them in and out
0: yeah. kind of business. I never pinch out my tomatoes. That is definitely yeah. my secret. I don't know whether... That's do absolutely you mine that? as well. I still seem to get good results. Are they cordon yes. tomatoes? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're getting a jungle? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm a very lazy gardener, Charles. So <laughs> gonna...
2: I have to admit <laughs> yeah. I'm the same. And you had to sort of hack your way through my garden to the back gate this year. But I'm, sti- <laughs> yeah. I'm still yeah. trying to find ways to use the tomatoes now, so it all turned out well.
0: wouldn't normally admit these things, but in the safety of, you know, the comfort of the dirt podcast, I think it's...
1: Yeah, okay. yeah well, it is good because that does make people... Not everyone has time to complete everything they want to do, either. So, you know, sometimes you wonder, oh, God, is that going to suffer? And then you make discovery, maybe it's actually not so bad after all. But generally speaking, I wouldn't recommend you to not side shoot too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. that we will I, do, actually, do better next year. i better next year, yeah. <laughs> I find huge benefit in having a tidy garden. And and one of the things is for slugs, you know, gives them less places to hide. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: true. Yeah. <coughs> I have to confess, I am not the the tidiest of gardeners. But every year, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna this do better. Year. This is gonna be the oh. year that it happens. <laughs> so I know you sort of touched on um, briefly before the the lessons that come from you know mistakes mm-hmm. that might happen, which actually mm-hmm. sort of brings us on to our our final question. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned over your gardening
1: journey so far boy i have to say off the top of my head that's quite a, that's a deep one um i'm doing a lot of teaching now and teaching gardening i'm noticing that the different people learn in different ways actually yeah. this is not quite what you're asking um but discovering how people learn um in, in gardening itself i guess it's, it must be weeds actually um i just see some so many people struggle with weeds it's been my biggest fear over the mm-hmm. years and like i was saying about the chickweed and the carrots and mm-hmm. I've, I've made mistakes with weeds but that i feel like I've, i'm where I, I want to be now yeah. but i, I my, my main advice to anyone starting out is is to in that first few months you know really nail it do a thorough mulching job to that you get on top of weeds from from the beginning and that and the other advice i'd give and and i've you know contradict this myself different times is don't take on too much ground yeah just take on what you can manage and do it well and then you'll enjoy it more and and stay involved more whereas if you take on too much and then it all gets away from you you kind of walk away almost psychologically as well yeah. it's not a good place to be gardening is so much about being there as much of the time as you can that little and often
2: yeah i think that's such such an important point like we actually, um, I know. Um, you have worked with Hugh Richards and he actually oh, did yeah. a feature in our December issue on how to beat gardening overwhelm. Um, oh, so right, sort of okay. the little things yeah. that you can do to make your, your life easier. And I think that is yeah. such an important thing because if someone say, yeah. takes on an allotment plot for the first time, it yeah. it can be yeah. quite overwhelming, can't it? Seems
1: like a lot to have totally. to do, isn't it? They're too big. I mean, most of them, traditional yeah. allotments, I keep saying, you know, they really should be in quarters. Anyone taking one on, if you can find someone to share one with, if you do get a whole one, or maybe you'll be lucky and get a a part one, or even just a a bed. Start with a bed if it's your first year. uh, Like one bed, 4x8, 1.2x2 meters, uh, 2.4, and you can do a lot on one bed and have a real... You can enjoy it more, too. And like you say, yeah, not get that feeling of, oh, my God, <laughs> it's got away from me. And actually, that's where no dig is good, because with the digging, you know, I've noticed people can go down, they'll dig over their allotments, say, in, in an afternoon. That's the easy bit. <laughs> yeah. Then the weeds come. Whereas <laughs> with no dig, it's more you do it incrementally and, you know, you'll make a bed and then you make another bed and and, and just build from starting from one and, and take it gradually and, and enjoy the process more. Absolutely.
0: That's me convinced. I'm taking on a new podcast, <laughs> is, right, and okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give no dig a go and I'm going to let really? you know how I get on. Good, I've I been enjoying you. reading your column about it and grow your own every month and now, and now I'm convinced. So <laughs> yeah. I, I will keep right. you updated. Thanks so much for taking the time out to speak to us today, Charles. It's a
2: pleasure. It's been great speaking to you.
0: It was so lovely to get a chance to re-listen to that Charles interview once again. Um, He's got so much wisdom and
1: uh,
0: it's always a pleasure. So I must confess that as well-intentioned as I was to start up a No Dig plot this year um it still hasn't happened uh so i'm guilty on that one but maybe next year is the year i take the plunge hopefully i i do want to do it so maybe next year is the year anyway a big congrats from all of us on charles sweeping up at the great british growing awards and do look out for him on the cover of our brand new issue of the magazine which hits shelves before the end of the month for now i'm going to call dan and rose up and find out what horticultural stories they've got for us this week Now, as we're Lauraless again today, as she's on annual leave, we're being joined by Dan. Hi, Dan. Hello, and I apologise to
3: everyone in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's
0: turning off the podcast right now. I, I wish... <laughs> not
3: again. I wish I could live up to Laura, but I can't. But I'll do my best to contribute, but thank you for having me. I love doing this. I really enjoy it. It's always a pleasure and never a chore.
0: So, I've got a super cool story for you, and the reason why I'm saying it's super cool is because it's about plants that have the ability to cool things. Specifically, the RHS and the University of Reading have just done some new research, um, looking into the properties of different plants to find out which ones might be best for um, cooling a building, essentially like reducing the humidity inside. Um, Rose, I know that you know what this is because oh, we've yes. both read it, but Dan, you might not. So what do you think the plant might be? Well,
3: my head immediately goes to something like medicinal that you know can help if you're you're in like a bit of bother. And I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, I was always told the dock leaf, cools sea nettles if you've been stung. So like something like a dock leaf that's also really big. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You'd need quite a
0: lot, I think, to cover the side of a building to cool it down. Um, But the leaves get huge, don't they? I see the logic with where you were going there, but no. The correct answer is
3: ivy. Oh, well, it's it's not hard to get that to be prolific, but does it not damage buildings?
4: I always used to worry about that as well, because when you know when you drive past and you see houses that are just completely covered with ivy, Mm. I used to be like, don't they have a really bad problem with bugs or in the brickwork
3: damp in the brickwork yeah. I was assumed
4: but that's interesting you said that because I think um Blake after I read that as well they said that people think that it causes damp but actually it doesn't oh. yeah no, it's not damp
0: yeah it reduces humidity and cools buildings really really well um I think I feel like it's the kind of thing people probably already realize that that's why they grow it up the sides of buildings but um nice to have the data to back it up so the RHS Principal Horticultural Scientist commented, our research is an important step forward in growing our understanding of green walls. Many people with limited space are turning towards vertical gardening as a way of greening their homes or workplaces. So I think with a changing climate and the fact that our country is obviously getting hotter each year in the summers we're noticing more heat waves and things perhaps more people will be thinking about this kind of thing when they're building or when they're looking to cool their house um, in
3: better ways. Well I mean it got up to 38 degrees earlier in the year so anything that we can do to try and get the temperature down at any time of year I think is a positive moving forward. That's it because
0: you know when you go on holiday abroad and um, like the buildings are white and stuff and they've perhaps been built to be in a hotter climate whereas Whereas our houses and stuff just aren't at the moment, no. are they at all? So we've got these like really old historic houses in lots of places that just aren't equipped for it. So things like this perhaps will be a really good way of us combating that a bit.
4: I think isn't that because our houses are designed to keep the heat in, yeah, which is why they're not very cooling. Um, but then also from that study, I feel like it did only say, they only really reduced um, the temperature by one degree, which I didn't really think was a lot, of <laughs> also, I guess like maybe it makes a difference. It definitely helps, does maybe. prove, yeah. Every little <laughs> helps. It'd get you'll probably feel that one degree if it's like thirty degrees outside. Like anything helps.
3: Yeah, I'd love to know if in the winter it somehow helps keep heat in as well, because surely if you've got something else on the outside of your house, it stops heat escaping. No. Yeah, it must
0: yeah. add insulation as well. Yeah. Like works both ways.
3: Surely grow ivy, everyone that's what we're saying
4: it is rather hard to control isn't it though but I guess if you want it to grow all over your house that's not really a problem it's just like grow, grow grow I love the
0: look of it up the side yeah. of houses though I think it looks really it is pretty
4: pretty so I have a story to talk to you about and it's about urban gardening and I feel like this ties in a bit to what you've we've just been talking about because it does mention how in urban spaces we should be sort of growing as much as we can and that could be growing up the size of buildings and things like that um, but it's an article that's been in the independent basically talking about how gardening over lockdown as we all know exploded and that there's sort of a real demand to keep gardening going especially in places like towns and cities because um, I know you probably Heard all about how people are growing more, and it definitely ties into what we were saying earlier about how we should use sort of growing up the sides of buildings and things like that, um not just for ivy but for vegetables and fruits, because growing in cities and towns really helps to sort of boost biodiversity. Um, helps with the chain, food chain supplies and things like that and also just keeping our cities and our towns greener where there might be a lot more pollution and things like that. So I just wondered what you thought about that. Do you think feel like cities and towns have a lot more potential for growing that isn't really acted upon at the moment?
0: I noticed in the article Rose that you just sent over to us that um, it said more than half of the global population lives in urban areas already, and that's expected to rise to 68% by 2050. So with so many people living and moving into urban city environments, like I feel like this is something that if it's already taking off, and obviously it's not a new thing, people growing in, in the city, but... Um, having to think of new ways and find as much space as possible when Mm. um there's more people living in those types of areas is really important
4: yeah especially on rooftops and things like that i love seeing photos of people growing on their rooftops i just feel like it really really unleashes
0: like people's um innovation and creativity doesn't it when there isn't that much space so it's like right, we've got this tiny little area but
3: we're gonna make the most of it every inch you can also stick a trellis anywhere yeah Anywhere and everywhere. And you can grow up the side of any, any building. You just need some sort of planter outside next to your front door and a trellis. And off you go. You can be having beans there. You can be having tomatoes. You can have anything there. There's no excuse. And it looks good. It smells good. It tastes good, which you all know that's my most important Mm. thing. If we can be growing food, we should be doing it. Why not? Why not? This is a very vertical themed (laughs) episode so far,
0: isn't it? The other thing that I saw, um, actually, which is interesting which is um a new Chinese uh high-rise building of flats well there were a few different high-rise buildings next to one another and it was like pitched as this new green living space with like vertical plants growing vertical walls all the way up the side of these high-rises and they look stunning like Mm. amazing because they're well a lot of people like concrete but um, if you prefer greenery to concrete then you will love them they look they look so cool but unfortunately even though they sold out really really quickly all the new apartments um hardly anyone's been able to move into them because of all the plants they're attracting loads of mosquitoes <laughs> really? so no. people can't live there oh, at the moment which God. is like oh
4: it's such a trend isn't it at the moment especially in london when you walk around london to have those green facades outside house um shops and things like that they're really really popular but it's like you say I didn't really think about all the bugs that it must attract but maybe in hotter climates it's probably Mm. a lot more of an issue but yeah maybe you have to grow sort of specific plants that mosquitoes and other things don't like otherwise you might be in for a bit of trouble
3: I must be bugging them absolutely bugging them oh dear is this the point where we meant to laugh at (laughs) Nope. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm being I serious. Uh, it's not just hotter climates, though. I don't know if any of you've been up to like um, the coasts on Scotland, but you can get absolutely destroyed by mosquitoes and things up there. So I, I can see how it attracts all the bugs to live by. But sh- surely there's something that that can be done without using like
1: yeah. pesticides
3: and things. There must be a natural way, some sort of companion planting project to make it really pop because we need more plants in our urban areas, right?
4: We do.
0: I went camping over the summer for one night in Suffolk. <laughs> and honestly, I have never, I was itching all over there were bites everywhere. It was just
4: not good. I was
0: like, I should have stayed at home. Why
4: did I do this? <laughs> That's when you're like, why didn't I just stay in a B and B or something? Yeah, who needs to come? I'm not a fan. Of it seemed like
0: such a nice idea. Yeah. Oh, let's go and set up in a field. Yeah. And no,
3: but like you guys have been talking about really big things in your in your stories. You've been talking about growing in urban areas and cities and and, and things like that. Well, my story is about big things too. So. There is a lovely, lovely uh, guy called Sean, um, who has been growing giant veg, particularly during lockdown. So this guy has managed to grow a cabbage weighing more than 20 pounds. Runner what? beans measuring 24 inches, <gasps> tomatoes bigger than his hands. 24 inches. I was just like yeah. working out how much that
0: is. That's 2
3: far. That's, that's, like, that's,
4: like <laughs> Quick, that's just like, what's that, like an arm? Quick, I just Google online conversion calculator.
3: <laughs> Do not Google anything like that. That's ginormous. Uh, it's, that is absolutely huge. Like marrows, this guy's got like the biggest veg I've ever seen in my life. You should see the melons this guy's got on him. It's huge. Like, wow. <laughs> um, if you go on the metro and have a look, I mean, there's, the pictures are astounding. Uh, But the lovely thing about it as well is he, Sean, he's not a huge fan of fruit and veg, but he loves the kind of mental health aspects of growing and being outside more. And it's kept him busy during this difficult time, which is fantastic. But he was like, well, I've got all these veg. They can't go to waste. What can I do? So he took it down to a local hospice. And not only are they so, so thankful, they've said to him, look, anything else you grow, please, please do bring it down. So they've now got all of these amazing veg, which have been so hard to get hold of during lockdown as well.
4: It's just a lovely,
3: lovely story.
4: Yeah. Did he, um, did it say why he got into growing giant veg or was it just a hobby? And then um, He signed up to a forum
3: um, and he was talking to people on there about growing and kind of joking a little bit about the fact that he doesn't really like fruit and veg himself. <laughs> so he didn't know right. why he'd kind of got into, got into it. it.
0: Sometimes it's just the challenge yeah. and the actual activity, yeah. isn't it? But then it's good that he didn't just allow those things to go to waste after all that effort. like donating them locally oh
3: yeah they said to him look if if you're not really into it but you enjoy the aspect of growing why don't you try and grow the biggest things possible so yeah. someone on the forum actually sent him seeds for giant things but like he was in the cabbage took him over a year to grow oh, can you imagine me. the love and attention yeah putting into something because i don't know about you guys if i go on holiday for a week and i come back you know that pests and things are going to have got in there and attacked everything yeah. so trying to keep something like that going for that's that really of time. impressive really really impressive and after all of that huge growing bits that he's done he's definitely entering all of the shows next year so listen out for Sean Sean Perryman he's going to be a celebrity of the future I think if he can keep growing marrows the size of people's legs
0: it's not all about size but in this case it is all right Blake <laughs> <laughs> and on true. that note we shall move on <laughs> So, I've got some jobs on the plot. Thanks so much for joining us, Dan. Um, Yeah, I will be back in a moment with some jobs on the plot, but before that, i have got this. If you love to kick back with a cold and refreshing beer at the end of a hard day's work on the plot, then we've got an offer you won't want to miss.
2: The kind people at Beer52 are offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward dirt and cover the 5.95 for postage. Each case is delivered directly to your doorstep so no need to leave the house.
0: If dark beer is not your thing you can simply choose the light option and your case will
2: come with the award-winning beer magazine ferment and a tasty snack. We've been lucky enough to enjoy a case ourselves and the choice and quality of the beers is fantastic. You'll get different beers every time, so you can go on a real voyage of discovery and find your new favourite breweries and beers.
0: So, to claim your eight free craft beers and just cover the 5 95 postage, head to www.beer52.com forward slash dirt. That's the word beer followed by the numbers five and 2com forward slash dirt.
2: And now, we will head over to this week's Jobs on the Plot.
0: Tomatoes, peppers, chilies and aubergines can be stubborn to ripen and if you're in a good part of the country where the last burst of summer appeared this week that may have helped them on their way but if not, there are some little tricks you can use to encourage them to ripen up. These include stopping watering, moving potted veg under cover or part lifting plants on plots out of the earth. Cut off the tiniest fruits to properly focus the crops energies into maturing those that remain. Don't give up on them just yet. Beds will become emptier after the main harvesting season draws to a close, but don't let weeds spring up in this blank space. If you're not using a bed for winter crops, suppress unwanted growth and protect the soil in winter by applying mulch. This could be a non-organic material such as black plastic, or you could also start to replenish the nutrients in your soil by adding farmyard manure to your beds to rot down. A thick layer will stop weeds in their tracks and also add to the fertility of your soil. Sowing green manures such as mustard seed or clover is another good way to both curb weeds and ensure an enriched ground comes spring. If you've not done so already, prune back your summer raspberry canes by cutting those that have finished producing fruit to the ground. Harvest your autumn raspberries regularly to ensure you can enjoy them at their best. It's also a good idea to have some fleece ready to protect your plants with in case the nights get too cool as the month progresses. Most hybrid and blackberries should have been harvested by now, set about taking out the old stems and training in the new ones for next year's pickings. Have a wonderful weekend and until next time, happy growing.
2: Thanks again for listening to The Dirt and don't forget to subscribe for free to make sure you never miss an episode. We'd love it if you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell all of your lovely garden and allotment neighbours. Plus, as a special treat, we've got an exclusive Grow Your Own magazine offer just for the Dirt listeners. Head to growfruitandveg.co.uk forward slash gpod7, that's G-P-O-D and the number 7, or call 0800 904 7000 and quote GPOD7 to receive seven issues of our magazine Grow Your Own straight to your door for just 29 99 That's 11 94 off. Every issue is edited by me and the team and is packed with gardening advice and jobs to tick off your list and a big bonus. Each magazine comes with a selection of free seeds so you can get growing straight away. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And a final exciting note. Do you or someone you know have great gardening advice, dirty gardening secrets or funny plot disasters? You could be our next podcast guest. Email the Dirt at growfruitandveg.co.uk to let us know.